Sein Leben lang. Hallo meine Leute, wie geht's? Willkommen zum Das Einzige Schalke Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks, officially the world's only English Schalke Podcast worldwide. This is episode 95 of Schalke America. I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Schalke fans are some of the greatest fans in the world, many of whom speak English. This pod aims to bring you the latest from the Royal Blues, talk to the English-speaking fans of the club, get their point of view across, and bring you game highlights. As always, joining me on the show is co-host Jack Mangan. Jack, how are we doing this evening? Aren't you so pleased that football came back so that we could all be subjected to this? <laughs> yes and no. Um, I'm, I'm happy football's back. Believe me, I'm really happy it's back, but I'm not so happy that Shop is back. <laughs> yeah, that's been the struggle recently for sure. Uh, you know, I, I expected to be having a little bit better of a time than I've been having the last month or so. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, it hasn't gotten any better, has it? Uh, every time we think it's going to be good, uh, you know, putting the youngsters in against Leverkusen, then they didn't do well. Uh, the following match, and you know, let's you know before we get into that, uh, let's the rundown for tonight's podcast. Uh, we're going to do we're going to talk Wolfsburg because we have to, uh, and then we're going to get into a little bit of Clemens Tonys and the ultras, and then even some listener question and answers. Uh, but let's get right into the. Into the lineups of this game, we have to get into it. Um, so for this one, uh, starting in for, for the Wolfsburg uh, in goal, obviously Castiles is in goal. They had a back four of Mbabu, uh, Pongracic, Brooks, Roussillon, midfield of Stefan, Schlager, Arnold, and Brekolo, and up top, of course, the big men of uh, Ginchek and Veghorst. Uh, pretty fair, a fairly standard lineup for, for Wolfsburg. But looking at our lineup, um, in goal, obviously, Alexander Nubel, a back four of John Joe Kenny, Ozan Kabak, Bastian Ochipka, and Juan Miranda, a midfield of Kalajiri, McKinney, Schof, and Merkan making his start. And then up top, you had Matando and Gregorich. So off the bat, what were your thoughts on the lineups? More importantly, our lineup, because the last few games we had seen that uh, we had going with the youngsters, but this seems to go a little bit back to his uh, bread and butter, I guess. I, mean, I think it's just a matter of uh, fixture congestion and having to rotate the squad a little bit because we saw some of those guys play a couple matches in a row, including, you know, the midweek games because it was an English Shabaka and you had, you know, Bujuleb, Katushu, um, Bozdoan playing, you know, a couple times within yes. a matter of days. So I'm not surprised that, you know, Mer uh, Merkan slots in or that you see Gregorich back in the starting lineup, Calajuri, these kind of people. Um Honestly, pretty much what I expected, given who's available and, and the rotation needs. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I wasn't sure how this was going to turn out. Um, I know before the game they were talking about, I think Kevin Hatcher was on the call, and they were saying how, you know, Wolves were really struggling the last match. They really, I think they played against, uh, was it Leverkusen they played? Um, whoever they played, they didn't play that well. They didn't show up at all. Um, and so he, I was wondering if maybe some of that would rub off in this game, uh, but not so much. Uh, we kind of took a, a beating in this one, Jack. Um, let's get to the goals. Uh, so the goal scoring started early um, with uh, in the 50s. Well, not early, but second early second half, I should say. Veghorst uh, gets an opener for uh, Wolfsburg, uh, followed just two minutes later by Mbabu. Uh, made it 2-0 right there. Uh, our man would come into the pitch at, at the 65th minute, an early entrance for uh, Ahmed Katuchu. Would not matter. In the 69th minute, Jao Victor would get a third goal for Wolfsburg. Um Robbie Matando in the 70th and make it three to one, or four to one, excuse me, at that point. And that's how it would end. Excuse me, and the big horse had a goal in the 16th minute. There's so many goals by Wolfsburg, I can't keep track. Um, poor well, thank, performance. Poor thank performance. goodness. Thank goodness for Robbie Matando so that we were spared the uh, the Schalke 04 jokes once again. Because um, that seems to be happening more frequently than than typically we we have to endure those those jokes. But uh, those jokes are deserved because we've been bad. And yeah. I mean, to be honest, it's this, this result isn't particularly surprising. We're going up against a Wolfsburg team that has been very solid all season, um, you know, right on the precipice of the European places now, what we were kind of hoping to be, but they've just been playing better down the stretch. And especially when you see how we performed against teams that you would typically expect us to to beat, you know, in Dusseldorf, Union Berlin, those kind of teams. Uh, it's not surprising to see that, that Wolfsburg came in here and pretty much had their way with us. Um, 
it would be pretty much right from the beginning too. With within yeah. the first five, six, seven minutes, they had some decent chances. Um, some of those were more long range efforts uh, early on, so not exactly like high percentage chances. But you, you could see that there were some breakdowns forming, and um, you know, there's a, just a possession disparity right off the top too. Um, yeah, and then and then Veghorst, who's who's been, you know, you have to give it to him. He's been a good signing for Wolfsburg ultimately. Yeah. Not somebody that I was particularly familiar with prior to them bringing him in, but he's had. Um, I mean, he's been good for him. He's been good this season. And, uh, you know, the first goal is, I think, maybe the best one in terms of our defensive showing of, of, of the four. Uh, yeah, ultimately, yeah. just kind of some confusion in the box. And Veghorst gets to it first and has a really nice, clever turn and ultimately fires um, near post. So you could criticize Ochipka potentially for kind of ball watching um, once that broken play kind of began. He, I think he maybe had an opportunity to – to jump in there and get to that ball before Veghorst, but he didn't really make the effort. Um, second goal, I believe that was Veghorst again. Uh, and uh, just – actually, I don't even recall at this point. There's too many of them. But, I mean, just – one of them was – it was uh, it was a through ball um, through the back line. Like, Miranda and Ochipka, like, neither of them got to it. I mean, it was, it was almost like there was three defenders on one at that point. It was way yeah. too easy. Um, Jao Victor's goal. Uh, Alexander Nubel, everyone's favorite goalkeeper, the guy that's so much better than Marcus Schubert. You know, why are, why are they playing Marcus Schubert? Alexander Nubel is going to Bayern, whatever. Uh, he, he completely misjudges the flight of that ball. If you yeah. watch that, he starts running directly straight out from his goalkeeper line and then has to cut left at the last minute to even get there. That results in him not really clearing the ball the way he needs to. He punches it directly at Jao Victor, who then fires into, you know, the open side of that net that he just left vacant by rushing out. Another goalkeeper mistake for Alexander Nubel. This guy, I'm telling you, this guy is not that good. He, he may be one day. I mean, I'm not, I'm not to say that he's not without promise, but once again, the people that continuously try, try to make the case that he's so much better than Schubert, I just don't think they're watching because he makes mistakes all the time too. It's, I mean, you, yeah, you, you've brought it up many times on this podcast that there's really no, there's nothing really separating these two players, Schubert and, and Nubel. They're fairly similar guys. They, they're not one. Neither guy probably stands out more than the other. Uh, before you would say Nubel's at least uh, distribution was better than Schubert, but he hasn't shown it. He's had constant turnovers or turning or kicking out of bounds lately. So right now they're basically the same player, and it's you know both of them are making mistakes. They're both young, um, and it's there's no answers really. And you know I, and I hate to jump into the news real quick, but uh, Schalke Daily is reporting that you know Schalke are going to be loaning out Marcus Schubert next year to get more game time experience. I mean I guess game time at Schalke doesn't count either. So. Um, I mean, it makes sense why they're doing it because he needs he needs to go to a a, a smaller league, a, you know, the Schweizer Bundesliga or somewhere else, and get some pitch time like he did be, like he was doing before. Uh, but you need to bring in a veteran. I know they're looking at guys like you know, Sven Ulrich, uh, Sven Ulrich, and maybe in Fireman and some other guys. But um, you're set up. You hit you hit the head on the nail on the head. It's uh, Nubel and and Schubert. They're the same. One's not doing better than the other. Not yeah, I mean, yeah, and I'm not trying to claim that Schubert is some fantastic goalkeeper, but no. you know, the, the disparity between these people is not as large as some people would have you believe. Um, it just is what it is. So yet another goalkeeping mistake that we suffer from. Um, the other goal I was thinking of was actually Mbappu, who scored it off the rebound. Yeah. Um, another situation where you could argue there was some ball watching taking place. I think it may have been Calajuri at that point who stopped running and kind of like watched the ball after the shot went away. And if he had continued that and tried to get in front of somebody, I think he could have beaten Mbappu to that ball on the rebound potentially. So, I mean, the same thing we've been seeing. Um, just once the defensive breakdowns start, the the lack, I mean, the interest in in really finishing plays and playing to the whistle, so to speak, seems to decline in this team. And that's what compounds some of these performances where you start getting um, – the effort just drops a little bit. The effort to get to those 50-50 balls. And in a game like this where, there, where there's a lot of shots on target and things are coming out and you're getting rebound opportunities, that's, that's not a good habit to have. Um, and we saw it. So, like I said, thank thank goodness for Robbie Notondo for for stopping the bleeding and at least getting us on the board to avoid yeah. the uh, the 0-4. Um, Katucci with the assist, uh, nice play from him where he dropped deep from from the forward position. They had a beautiful flick on um, to Matondo. Shout out Kevin Hatchard, who, who you mentioned was on the call for dropping the uh, the hashtag free Katucci. Yes, sir. That may have been. Phil Phil Bonnie was saying that he did it at some point this season. I, if I missed it, I, mean, I can't believe I would have missed it. I, I don't recall that, but yeah, I know we've had uh, James Thurgood and now Kevin Hatcher yeah. uh, have joined the movement, so we we appreciate that uh, for sure. Um, and you know, nice to see him at least get 
you know, a decent cameo in this match if he if he wasn't gonna gonna start because of the fixture congestion recently. All we need now is Huntingstein to drop the the hashtag now, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. So the the, the loss brings us. Uh, we, we really didn't move anywhere in the table. We're sitting in eleventh place, uh, nine points above the drop. So there's no worries. The one game left. Uh, I think it's one game left, right? I, I lose track at this point. Um, yeah, we're sitting, you know, thirty nine points, uh, one point ahead of Union Berlin at the moment. Uh, Wolfsburg with that win got themselves back to European spot. It was a big game for them, you know. It was about how how you know how poor Schalke is, but this meant something to Wolfsburg and it showed in that game because they they're trying to get into Europe and obviously more money for them. Um, and you know now they're sitting in, in sixth place on forty nine points. Just uh, I think goal differential ahead of Hoffenheim. I mean the top five are really way ahead of everybody else. I mean you know Wolfsburg's at forty nine points in fifth space in fifth place is Bayer at sixty points, eleven points ahead of them. Uh, and then, you know, obviously 30 points ahead of uh, Wolfsburg is Bayern. So it's just the, the top five are just ridiculously much better than everybody else. And Wolfsburg beat us by three goals. So how bad does that make it sound, you know? Um, yeah. It's just it's just abysmal to watch right now. And I know all the fans feel the same way. And, you know, it kind of leads me into where I want to go next with this because I really don't want to spend too much time in Wolfsburg. I mean, unless you want to, of course. There, there are just two more things I wanted to talk about on the on the please, back. Of the game, please, uh, First of all, shout out Weston McKinney, who once again I think had a pretty decent performance, uh, despite yeah pretty bad performance of the team in general. I think that's his third game in a row where he was arguably the best player on the pitch for us. Didn't he go through uh, like four players, five players at one point? Well, yeah, he had that that one run in particular where he he beat several Wolfsburg defenders, including John Brooks, unfortunately for the American perspective. <laughs> uh, <laughs> laid, off, laid off a ball, may, maybe to maybe been to Mercan on the left side, who then fired across yeah. to Caligiuri. That was the best chance um, of the game, I think, for us, and one that Daniel Caligiuri should have finished. I think that would have made it 1-1 at the time as well. Um, which maybe maybe it changes the game. Unlikely, who knows? But um, poor finish from Calgary there. But the, Weston McKinney doing you know yeoman's work to set that whole thing up, um, carrying the ball for more than half the distance, I think, of the pitch. Uh, other thing is uh, Bon Voyage Jean Joe Kenny who picked up his fifth yellow card and thus is going to miss the final game of the season due to uh, yellow card accumulation suspension. So uh, that's the last we're going to see of him, um, assuming we we aren't able to retain him, which doesn't look likely. Um, what are your thoughts on on his season overall, and and how do you feel about him now that we've kind of reached the end of his uh, his tenure here? Um, I I, I like that. I think he brought a lot of value to the team. Um, obviously had two bangers of goals uh, this season. Unfortunately, it wasn't any more. Uh, but he did he did a lot of good in the season, especially in the beginning of the season when we were the whole team was doing well. So it makes sense that he would do well. Uh, but he was really a catalyst for that, and he really gave Calajiri an opportunity to grow into the season because he struggled, I think, mildly coming to the uh, into the season. Um, even though we gave, he was given more freedom offensively because he had that defensive responsibility with Kenny back there. But um, overall, I think it paid well for both players uh, to have Kenny back there. And uh, I thought he was solid. I mean, obviously he's, he looked young, he looked raw in some in some instances, but he, he looked like a, a decent player. And I, I, I'm sad to see him go because who do you feel that void now? Because didn't I read somewhere that Calgary is going now too? End of season. Yeah, there was the loan that he was going to sign a contract with Augsburg. I don't know if that's been confirmed yet. I feel like I would have seen that if that had yeah. actually taken place. But well, that's a rumor, at least. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I, I, I thought he had a good season. What about you? Yeah, you know, I, I would have liked to see him maintain the level of performance that he demonstrated earlier on, despite the team tanking as a whole, because uh, it definitely seemed that his form seemed to dip along with that of of the side. Um but, you know, if we're going on the first half, yeah, he was he was promising. And I think the one thing you can say about him is he was a, a reliable body for us um, in a season where we were decimated by injuries. And, you know, he was constantly available for selection. And even, you know, despite mistakes, I think always put in a shift um, and, and was always committed to what his what his role was. Um, you know, certainly room for growth. And either there's he's definitely had some stinkers, man. He's had he's had some bad games this season. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 he's somebody whose commitment I don't, I don't question. And I think that carries a lot of weight at a club like Schalke. And I, 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 I'm interested to see what happens with him, um, when he returns to Everton, whether or not he's given an opportunity, um, to rotate into that squad in place of Seamus Coleman or whether or not he's, he's, you know, uh, been put in the shop window as a result of his time here and is, is going to move on. But, um, overall, I think I'm appreciative of his, of his time here, but it definitely, uh, declined kind of and and was more disappointing than, than it looked like it was going to be at the end. Um, okay. la last thing I know I'm earlier, 
how bad is Juan Miranda defensively? I'm glad you brought it up. Um, and I don't remember someone tweeted this out. I don't know if it was during the game or the day after, but they were saying how like trying to talk about his analysis and really maybe you put play him in the wrong position. And I wanted to read it and talk about it on the podcast, and I can't find it anywhere. So, uh, but yeah, he defensively he looks bad. And and I don't know if it was you who brought up the point that maybe you know maybe he should be like an attacking midfielder or something like that. Maybe he'd do better because he obviously has a skill set to play contribute offensively, but defensively, man, in shambles. I mean. One, one of those goals, he's just lying on his back like you talked about. And, yeah, just it, it, it's not getting any better for the kid. No matter how much pitch time he's getting, um, Barcelona's probably like, yeah, you want to – I mean, Miranda has said he wants to see at the club for, you know, for another year at least um, to fill out the contract. But, I mean, man, he needs to get better defensively or we play him in a different position. Because when we brought him in, I, it, it seemed to me that a lot of people were excited about the prospect of potentially him literally just rotating with Ochipka because Ochipka is another player like John Joe Kenny. Um, just longer serving at this point, who, who is very much just kind of your workhorse left back that, that gets so many match minutes. And maybe Wagner saw something in training that we didn't know about that he didn't play, couldn't play defense, and that's why he kept him out for so long. Who knows, man? It's it's, it's definitely possible. But, you know, I, I, I was hoping that we'd be able to give Ochipka some rest just because we wear that guy down to the nub every season. Uh, <laughs> it didn't know, get any better at the end either. Put him in center back. <laughs> where are you even keeping that coffee just now? Where would you pull that from? It was like a magical coffee shelf. It's the old uh, stage trick, you know? No. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, so anyway, I just wanted to mention that because that's another guy um, who, yeah, despite expressing an interest in staying at Schalke, who knows if he's if he's ultimately going to do that or if Barcelona. Do you want, do you want a drink? <laughs> bubbly action, a little seltzer. <laughs> that's right. Um, as, a, uh, as a millennial, I, I very much enjoy uh, spending money on canned water and avocado toast because I value that more than home ownership. So um, I drink anyway. That. Yeah, so just just you know, a couple a couple lone moves there, and uh, ultimately kind of a mixed bag of results. So, um, despite what looked like some promising loan policy and transfer policy, yet another season where where all those don't seem to to quite stick, and and you wonder how much of that is just the chaos at the club in general. Uh, for those who are who are listening live on the show, you know, please feel free to comment during during the podcast and ask questions or comments. Uh, we'll read them on there. Um, yeah, I, I wonder what your thoughts are on on Levant Marcan in the game. Um, how did you think he did? Obviously, it wasn't quite the uh, the entrance as Bazduan had the week before. But uh, overall, what would you give Marcano that game? I, I think it was harder to, to judge him just because um, we, we were much more out of that game than we had been in some of the games that Bazduan was a part of. And maybe that was partially because of him. But I think just the, the, the difference in possession and everything, it was it was hard for us to do much of anything. And so I, I don't think he was able to really put his, his, his stamp on the game um, to the extent that he probably would have been hoping for because – uh, I think he's actually gotten less appearances than probably Bujalov has as well. I think of the crop of young guys, I think he's probably been on the outside looking in more than Katuchu or Bujalov. So, um, and especially after, you know, Bozdawan coming in and making the impression that he did, uh, you know, I think, I think a lot of these young guys are very much aware of the fact that the club might be relying on them next season because of the financial difficulties and, and, you know, the low likelihood that we're actually going to be able to freshen the squad up as a result of transfer policy. It could be a big, you know, Knappish Schmidt a year. Yeah. Um, so I, I think he maybe will be slightly disappointed with that. But um, I, I think all those guys are still promising. And it, it, it maybe is what this club needs to some extent is the younger guys to kind of show, because they seem to show more commitment sometimes to what Wagner's trying to do. They seem yeah. to work a little bit better um, right. and, and work for it. So um, we'll, we'll get to, we'll get to one of those that comments more into the, uh, in the question portion of, of this thing. Um, I do want to give a shout out to, uh, since we're on YouTube, give a shout out to Cedric Zalmat. If you don't follow him, uh, if you know German, at least um, give him a follow on not only YouTube, but also on Twitter. He provides a uh, fantastic analysis of games before and after uh, definitely give him a follow as a Shopper fan. Uh, so shout out to him. Uh, so let the transition after that poor, poor game at Wolfsburg. Um, I'm going to share oh, – before I share the screen, I want to talk about a little bit about our chairman. Um, <laughs> things have come around with him, and, and, and people are growing restless right now. Um, we know, we all know the sickening remarks that Tony's made uh, last August when he, and, and led to his, like, three-month self-hiatus. Uh, you know, he came back from that, you know, hiatus and nothing came from the club. We thought maybe there'd be a comment by the club and there really wasn't. Uh, so things were, he was fairly quiet up until this past weekend when news broke that one of his meat slaughtering plants that he owns uh, had a massive coronavirus outbreak, which was like, uh, it went clearly against what the, you know, a German, the German threshold is 
according to Angela Merkel. Uh, and this is a fans on the brink. Uh, so much so that the ultras, and let me go ahead and share this screen, Jack. Um, our, our, mighty, our mighty ultras of, the, of Gail Sinkirchen, uh, they came out and they had some choice words for uh, Mr. Tony's. And really, anybody anybody associated uh, in the in the supervisory board or, or uh, in that in that elk, I guess, or that range. Uh, I'm going to give you. I'm going to read the first two paragraphs and, and do some bullet points. Um, this is initially reported, at least to us, that we saw it. Uh, Andreas Ernst uh, on Twitter. He he puts this out. So uh, the first couple paragraphs, and I'll go into the bullet points. Um, this is all in English. So obviously, you're looking at it in German, but you know, feel free to look at the website. We'll share it again. Uh, and feel free to look at it and translate it for uh, for your liking. But uh, basically it says, uh, we have been holding back criticism uh, for a long time to ver further headlines and unrest uh, with the club. Um, uh, where am I? Uh, the season will finally come to the, it came to it's coming to a close up in weekend. Um, and there's nothing left for us in the sporting sense. Therefore, the time has come now that we would like to comment on the various topics and events of the past weeks and months really uh, we can no longer and we will not leave this disaster situation surrounding our beloved fc Schalke no fear uncommented rarely has our club given a more catastrophic picture than this season in addition to a sportly uh, desolate uh second half of the season which i completely agree with um with just eight goals and historic uh series without a win uh, we're going on what 12 games or something like that without a win that's something ridiculous um, above all that, the committees and those responsible for the club um, make our club look ridiculous every week and seem to have lost all contacts with reality of Gales and Kirshen. As an unbelievable as this may seem at the moment, the fundamental problems of our club are not in not only in the field, but the board of directors and the supervisory and honorary councils, uh, and more so also on, on coming in the last uh, recent past. Uh, so really they took shots at the, the Council of Honor uh, the finance of, of Schalke, the supervisory board, obviously with, with Clemens Tonys, uh, and then talking about Schalke values, uh, there really were from some very strong, firm comments, Jack, about them, and they ended it all with, anyone who does not live Schalke values must leave the club now. Um, strong words by, by, by the ultras. Uh, not something we're all feeling, really, but um, this is the first time the ultras have come out and said anything about any of this. Yeah, strong words there. Um, if you go through and you read the entire statement, it's, it's very difficult to to walk away from it, um, finding much to disagree with. Yeah, um, I, th I think it's a sentiment that's that's shared by a lot of Schalke supporters right now, um, and even more intensely, of course, by those that are part of the community um, on the ground over there. You know, more so than you and I over here in the states. Um, you know, I think I think they're frustrated and they feel betrayed by the people that are supposed to be the stewards and the custodians of their club, who they feel aren't living up to the values that the club proclaims and the values that the fans themselves try to live up to. And, and you know, they feel betrayed by um, the people who have allowed the, the club to, to get into this financial situation under their watch. Um, and, you know, it, it's difficult to blame them. And, yeah, I mean, just the, the way they handle the whole Clemens Tony situation, like, we, we said it when the punishment was announced on this podcast. We were laughing at it because we're like, all he's going to do is go away for three months, be quiet so everyone forgets about him, and then he's going to slowly slide back in, and and nothing's going to be said about it. And that's exactly what happened. It was such a non-punishment. Yeah. Like, I mean, and, you know, the anti-racism stuff is so oh important and, and so crucial um, to the club's values in general. I mean, especially so right now um, with the prominence internationally uh, of the Black Lives Matter movement and, you know, in the wake of um, the murder of George Floyd. Uh, and so it, it's just, it's even more of a stain than it might otherwise would be on the club, his continued presence. Um, and then, you know, this this thing, the COVID outbreak and his, uh, one of his plants, it, it's just, that's like, you know, the other most important thing going on in the world right now besides the <laughs> Black Lives Matter. These are like, the, the, you know, the two biggest issues. And he seems to be failing on both of them. And I mean, and this is a guy that's like in very much a large way, like kind of like one of the faces of our club. And yeah, so I mean, to the extent that the ultras are, are saying, you know, it's time for you to get out. Can you disagree with them? I mean, it's, it's difficult for me to. Uh, the the yeah. club has lost stature. It's not in a good place. And it's been embarrassed by some of these people. And, and I, I mean, I don't I don't think it's wild to suggest that a change of of leadership um, in, in high positions is required to get us back on track. 
and I don't remember who it was. Someone, uh, someone in our in our German speaking community had tweeted out and saying, "Really, if those of you who voted for Tony's uh, to come back, why did you vote for him?" And then I, some people were just being frankly honest and they're like, "Look, out of all the candidates, he's actually the only one who had anything that made it seem like worth picking. Look, like nobody else knew what they're talking about. I mean, at least he 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 could talk the talk at least, so that's why he got chosen. But I mean, the fans are completely against him at the moment, and I, the the chance for Tony Raus is is growing louder than I've ever heard it um, under his reign. And um, it was pretty bad back when the whole, you know, the whole, uh, just before he was stepped out for three months with the whole racism role. But this is even worse now. And I mean, and especially the condition that the team is in right now, it just, nothing is going well at the moment. Um, and like I said, with with nothing being said, especially like shortly after that happened, they had that say no to racism thing. And, you know, they still said nothing about it. It's just the fans have had enough and, even if the club was doing well, I still think it would be the, the, the fans would be still up in arms about it. And it's people can only take so much of this, like you said, and maybe it is time for a change. I mean, uh, you know, if that's what happens, uh, uh, it, may, it may be best thing right now just a clean house from top to bottom. I mean, and, you know, a lot of people are also fed up with the youngsters, but, you know, this is even worse right now what's going on with this because nothing was said initially when the, when the whole thing happened. Now this came out this past weekend. You know, it just keeps – piling on top of each other for him and it's just getting worse and worse. And I, I don't know where to go from this, but with the ultras coming out, it's going to get crazy now. Cause I mean, the fans are going to really start. I'm, I'm curious to next see what the next few weeks holds, I mean, especially when the last game plays, what happens? I'm sure something's going to happen. I don't know what, but something's going to happen, you know, the early part of the summer. It'd be one thing if, if we were all kind of going through this together and there was a real sense of, of unity, but I feel like a lot of people feel as though, Many of the people in, in the leadership positions of this club are, are very much out of touch with the actual members of their club. Um, I mean, just the way they handle, you know, the, the, the refunds on the ticketing and all that kind of stuff. When, when this came out, it just I, – I feel as though a lot of supporters feel that the people that are in charge of the club are more outsiders at this point um, than, you know, actual fellow members of, of that community. And right. I think that's part of the frustration, too. They just want people um, – in leadership positions that are that are believe in transparency and believe in, in including the, the members of the club and the supporters of the club in you know in the solutions for it. Uh, our buddy uh, Joseph says uh, we should bring back Tedesco. Are you for it or against it? Um, I know there's a lot of members on Schalke Twitter that are for it. Um, yeah. I, I think I mean I don't know. I'm gonna pass on that one, man. Yeah, I don't. I mean, the only thing I could say, the only thing he could help right now is defensively, maybe, maybe. But we saw how that ended it too. I, yeah, I, I, I at, the, at the end of his tenure, though, we were even worse defensively than we were right now. I yeah, mean, I know we had yeah. the, the unbeaten run. I'm uh, sorry, the, the winless run, I should say, um, that we've had under David Wagner. But I mean, some of those performances against Mainz and Dusseldorf in the in the latter part oh, of Tedesco's yeah. run were yeah. capitulations, unlike anything I've ever seen from this team. Even more so than this Wolfsburg match that you just saw, like you know the Dortmund, the Derby in the second half. Um, I appreciated Tedesco. I still like Tedesco, but I would I like him as a person. I, yeah, and I, I think he understood the values of the club and cared about it and cared yeah. about the supporters. Yeah. And I think he felt things very deeply. And so I think that's why many Schalke supporters look to him in, and feel fondly about him. But I, I don't think tactically he was much of, you know, an improvement over what we have right now. Um, I mean, so so much of his rain was just marked by absolute incoherence on the pitch. I mean, watching it, you you had no idea what what, what the actual goal of any build-up play was or anything. It, yeah. it, was, that, it was that bad. So, um, no, it, it definitely was, and uh, I, I think just you know, like it's either keep Wagner or you know go somewhere else. As much as you know, I I I really like Tedesco and some of the old past managers that we had. Eventually, we need to get out of this cycle of just keep replacing our, our, our managers. Uh, I saw a comment about, um, you know, 18 years now, in fact, 18 different managers, something crazy since 2001, since Hoops even uh, first left us. So it's been, we've gone through a lot. And, you know, you mentioned, that, I think, last podcast, that even when we were winning, we we're going through managers, you know, and um, it doesn't help now the fact that we're going through um, such rough times and we're, we're cycling through one, two managers a season at the moment. And it's, it, it's, it's hard. Really. It that, is. That's why the David Wagner question is so difficult for me because, yeah. Um, in some sense, we, we have to stop this coaching carousel at some point. 
And I understand that that you know in 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 football that there, there's more turnover at that position than there are in a lot of other sports. It's just kind of the way the sport is. Um, it, it's more of a results-driven business than almost any other sport. It's, it seems like in terms of the, the short lease that a lot of managers are given. Um, and but at the same time, it's like you know teams like Leipzig seem to be able to kind of get away with it. Teams like Dortmund have performed better than we have over the past few years post Klopp, where where they've been going through managers at a fairly regular pace, but but for some reason it just doesn't work with us. And it, it feels like for us to to steady the ship and, and kind of start building back towards we want to be, we have to have some sort of continuity season to season at the managerial position. And maybe we don't, but I mean the way we're doing it right now is not working for us. And, and you know the fact that we can't seem to get past like a season and a half really yeah. of one person in charge, it's just so hard to, to gain any momentum and build anything off the back of that when there's that change that much change happening that quickly. Bring back Ranyek. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, Jake says, given our ineffectiveness at the striker position, how would you feel about a change to a single striker formation to bring on another midfielder for next season? I think, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, I'm going to guess for you, but I'm going to guess the answer is yes. And because 4-5-1, you can do 4-2-3-1. You still have five midfielders there. Uh, we do need a striker, though, because uh, Berkseller and Katucha is really more of a 10-type player or, or a shadow player. He's not a strike out-and-out -out striker. Um, Greg Rich is obviously not cutting it, and so we have really no striker. We need to go out and get one. Um, but I would not be against it, Jack, and I think you wouldn't be against it, but you tell us. Yeah, I think I would agree with you in the sense that it does seem as though Katushu might fill sort of like the second striker role a bit better than, you know, kind of the out-and-out -out man up top. Um, although what I would say in counter to that is I would like to see him get an opportunity to play and start games with yes. Siwat Serdar and Amina Arit you know, playing behind him because so many times when those guys were on the pitch early in the season is when, is when we were seeing either none of Katushu or the late Katushu cameos where the game's kind of over by the time he gets in and it's hard for him to really affect the play. I'd like to see what he looks like, you know, as a lone striker with those kind of midfield players providing him better service behind him. That being said, I obviously, I obviously think we need to bring in um, a, another attacking player and it, it, yeah, it would certainly not be a bad idea to, to go for, I think the kind of player that some people are suggesting right now, you know, the out and out striker um, that can really get it done for you uh, in, in front of goal. Um, <laughs> because it, yeah, it does seem that Katushu it can be a little bit more valuable dropping slightly deeper and, and, and combining um, for sure. I don't, I don't disagree. And, and Jay continued on saying, you know, our midfield has been the product, a productive part of the team. And so it would make sense to change formation to highlight and utilize the areas of the team even more. And, uh, I agree with that, um, but you know, let's let's look at it. who who would be the starting midfielders. No questions asked. Harit, right? Yes. Yeah. there. Mm -hmm. Um, Mascarell. Probably. Stamboli, if he's here, I don't know if he's gonna be here. So, McKinney. I think it has to be McKinney now. Yeah. I, I don't. Um, really, yeah, I mean, I, I think we've. I I don't think he was as bad as a lot of people thought he was when 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 they yeah. thought he was playing badly. Um, and I've, I've defended him in a lot of ways throughout the entire season, but now, especially the last couple of games, I think he's, he's showing some maturity and some growth. And I, I, do you, do you really want Stan Bowie instead of McKinney at this point? I know some people, no. they, they, they do. I just think, I think McKinney offers you more yeah. um, and, and is, can do more for you on the pitch than a player like Stan Bowie, who's slightly more limited and one dimensional. Speaking of uh, Stan Bowie, uh, his leadership on the, on the, on the sidelines is bigger than anything we saw on the pitch. But yeah. I love that. Seriously. Yeah. He, he's, he's been great. Um, but I, I guess the fifth midfielder would be Katichu at that point. At, at that point, if you if you want to put him as a midfielder, an attacking midfielder, um, I mean, I guess you could put Ramon in there as well. Maybe as a winger. I mean, the fifth one I think is up for grabs. I think because I think the other four are pretty locked in solid. Uh, Alessandro Schoff, you know, he hasn't really done much for us. I do think he has a technical ability to provide offensively, but he's not a holding midfielder. We we've seen that many times, and he's not consistent enough offensively. So. He's not gonna get us. He's not gonna get a slot. Calajiri, you know, when he's on, yeah. But if he, if the rumors are true that he's going, um, you need to fill that spot. You know, whether it's McKinney or whomever on the right hand side, maybe a Katuchu. Um, I think that's where he has opportunity to come in and bring. If you can bring in a striker, but you know, Joseph brought the brought up the point that we can't bring in a striker. We don't have any money. Yeah, that's gonna be the big problem this entire offseason. Is is I think the squad is in a position where more than any year in recent memory, it needs serious overhaul. And it's unfortunately coinciding in a period of time where we are less able to accomplish that financially than we have been in recent memory. Um, so it's just, it's a very unfortunate confluence of events here that are that are making out for what seems to be a uh, not particularly promising uh, next season, unfortunately. 
So next question we got, this is from Facebook. It says, uh, what's going on with Tony's? And so if you missed that part, uh, basically, you know, three months ago or in August, he had that whole racism row. Uh, he kind of gave himself a self hiatus for three months to get out of the limelight, uh, came back, you know, kept quiet. No one at Schalke said anything at him, you know, no discipline towards him. Um, and then recently this past week, uh, his meat processing plant that he owns, a meat slaughterhouse, uh, had a, a huge outbreak of uh, COVID-19, uh, of coronavirus. Uh, it, it way surpassed the, the Germans' threshold, which they, which it deemed, you know, satisfactory. And um, and then he came out. And just one thing after another with Tony's, and and people have had enough. Uh, the ultras had enough with it too, and they came out with a very strong statement. Statement, um, and we're going to reshare that link uh, after this podcast. So that's a little roundup about him. The next part he asked was um, he missed the game, but it looks like we didn't miss much. What went wrong? We, we showed up. That's what that's what went wrong. Um, and we're setting records, all the wrong records. And I agree. Yeah, we're Jack. Was it twelve games winless now? Thirteen. Thirteen. Fifteen. Fifteen. Oh my gosh! It just keeps going. And we played six. We played sixteen of seventeen games in the Rip Runner, right? And we haven't won a game since the uh, it, it blows uh-huh. a game since the Gladbach game to start it off. It's fifteen games winless. And we got Friday last game. And that's the thing is like when going back to Wagner briefly, like as much as I would like to stop the coaching carousel and try to build some continuity, and as much as I don't root for anybody to lose their job or their livelihood, because at the end of the day, you know, all these managers, these are people, right? You know, I, I don't root for somebody to to be fired, but what serious club and forget, you know, European aspiring club, what serious club of any level goes on a 15 game winless streak and doesn't part ways with their manager. Right. And what kind of message does that send if, if they retain him? Like, like that's okay. And and that's like where we are now as a team. I mean, like yeah. I, I understand the injuries that he's had to deal with, but like, I mean, it hasn't been good enough. And we're stuck between a rock and a hard place between that. Yeah. It should be fired. But then we're like, we've had our carousel for years and we need to stop that. You know, it's hard. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. And the last part he said was, uh, are you guys excited for the season to end? He is. Uh, and a return to Schalke reform. Yeah. I, I can't wait for this thing to be over. Um, you know, we're, we're not going to hit our hundredth episode this season, but we'll have some good stuff coming up in, this, in the new season. Uh, we we're hoping to have two good bits of news this morning, uh, this podcast. We're only going to have one, which is, Welcome to our pod, our, our YouTube page. Uh, we'll release the other one very soon. Believe me, that'll be the best news we've had all, from Shaka all year round. <laughs> um, yeah, so we had we asked we asked the question, you know, sent us questions on Twitter, and we got a boatload of them. Uh, if my phone will work, I can pull them up here. All right, starting with uh, from Leo, he says, "Talk about the new lads in the Kanapin Shimita, please." Uh, we need we need to dedicate an episode to this. So we're going to try to uh, do this a little bit later on. Maybe maybe right after the season ends, we want to you know bring in somebody who knows what they're what they're talking about the Knapp and Schmida because we don't want if we try to talk out of our ass, it's just going to make us look bad. And we, we don't want to do that. We want to give the Knapp and Schmida their due. And so we're going to dedicate a podcast to that. Uh, believe me. But they did just sign a an Irish goalkeeper. I believe it was Jack. I know he's British. I didn't or I know he's from the island over there. But I, I think he was Irish. Do you do you remember? Yeah, that sounds correct. Um... We we gotta get Aiden on the podcast. Ar Dan, yeah, yes, just because he's he's very good at um, the scouting side of things, and he's also something of a specialist at the goalkeeper position. On top of that, which is obviously a, a great, you know, position of great need for us at the moment. So, I'll see if he's available. We'll try to get him on. He would be a great guy to have go over um, some of those things for sure. Uh, Schalke Canada, hey guys. Uh, they said Jonathan David's camp, and he's a Canadian, uh, would like to see him play in the Bundesliga. Could a move to Schalke be possible? Um, no, 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 not possible. Um, we, don't we don't have the money for it. It's going to, you know, I was, I was I mean, to Manu Veth, I guess, talking about it on, on, on Canadian radio, and he was saying, you know, it's going to cost, it's going to cost whoever wants him 25 mil to 35 million euros to acquire him. We do not have that unless we sold Harit or something. Exactly. So unless right at the start of this transfer window, we we sell Harit, we sell you know a McKenny or a Serdar, or, or one of you know one of our midfield players that we think we could potentially fill in with one of these younger guys that we've been seeing come through Bosdowan, Bojelet, etc. Um, unless we you know make that kind of a move to try to free up some money with which to bring him in, I just don't see why it's happening. You know, after everything we're talking about, there's no way we can afford him right now, and it's unfortunate because I like that player a lot, and I would love to see him. Uh, in Royal Blue, and I would very much not—I mean—like to not see him go to a Gladbach 
um, you know, or one of our competitors. I mean, it's hard to even call them competitors at this point because we're not really in the same spot of the table as these guys. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, if his if his people want him to go to the Bundesliga, which you can't blame them for, because it's a great league for young players. Um, it's hard to imagine that he would, in the first place, even want to go to Schalke at the moment. I mean, it's such. I mean, he as, as, as a manager, as a manager or a young player, why would you want to come here? Yeah, I mean. Yeah, and so that, that combined with the money thing, I just don't think it's possible. But it, and that's unfortunate because I, I really like him and I think he could he could make an impact. Yeah, uh, I remember uh, doing my little scouting, and by, when I say scouting, I just mean looking at YouTube, um, watching videos of him, and I was very impressed with him, you know. And I know Alfonso Davies is talking him up really well too, so I was excited. But you know, it's not someone we can even remotely think that we can get because he's going to cost way too much, and we just don't have the money for it. So. You're watching oh, Jonathan uh, David goals and skills highlight comps with bad techno music on YouTube. That's, that's right. Like. That's right. Created by John, uh, Alfonso Davies. <laughs> uh, next question comes from Brad Denny. He says, what are your top three things for fans to feel good about heading into next season? Man, that's a tough one. <laughs> we'll be back. Yeah. Uh, three things. Three things. Hard, hard to find three. three I, I, on the heels of what we were just discussing, I would say one of those three things is that if you had a club like Schalke that is in the kind of financial trouble that they're in, that is unable to or unlikely to be able to go out into the transfer market to strengthen the squad, as far as clubs that could be in that situation go, Schalke is in a pretty good situation themselves because of the strength of their youth system and the strength of the Capuchmita. If they were a club that didn't develop talent the way that Schalke does, it might be a more difficult prospect. And I still expect next season to be, you know, very, very rough. And we need to be very careful with how we approach it. But, um, you know, the number of young guys that we have that we feel could make an impact um, it puts us in a better position than some clubs who maybe wouldn't have those resources or, you know, players of that caliber to call up. So that would be one thing. Uh, I'm going to feed off of that for the second thing. And uh, I'm going to say in Jokin Schneider, we trust. Um, I think the mistakes we made in the past of letting pe- letting the youngsters go for free, I think, are long gone. We've seen that with ma- the, the extensions of McKinney and Sardar and some other guys. Um, I don't think he's going to let them go for free like the, the predecessors were. Um, so I think in that respect, he's going to do better, much better than what we had before. Um, but I also think he he does have a game plan on, on getting the team better. It just you know the finances are hurting at the moment. His chairman is not helping things. Uh, but I think. Yoko Snyder is going to be able to lock down some of these youngsters. And at least, you know, if we're going to lose them, at least lose them for some money. I hate to lose these guys for free because that was just a bane of our existence for how many years? I am concerned about Yoko Schneider backing David Wagner because David Wagner was his hire. Because keep in mind, Yoko Schneider fired Tedesco, who is very much a fan favorite. Yeah and ultimately replaced him with David Wagner, who you have to say has not fared any better on, on, on the balance of the two seasons that Tedesco had, season and a half that Tedesco had overall. You'd have to admit that Tedesco was better in terms of the table position. Um, yeah, for sure. Always enjoyable to watch and often wasn't. But um, So I, I, I'm concerned that Schneider is maybe not seeing things as clearly as he would potentially like to because he's worried about how this hire is going to reflect on him if he changes course. I mean, I think he had some sort of quote earlier in the week where he said, well, you know, if David Wagner has good players, then the football is also going to be good. And that to me was such a ridiculous comment. Like, yeah, give anybody good players and they're probably going to have decent football. And then secondarily, when, when we all know we can't afford to bring new people in, you're almost unintentionally making the case for Wagner's removal. You know what I'm saying? If yeah. you're saying, well, if, if only he had good players, he could have good football. You're basically saying that he, he's not playing good football because he doesn't have good players. Well, are, how are we going to be able to improve the squad this offseason? Right. We're not. So then why are we sticking with David Vaughn? It just, I mean, yeah. I mean, Joachim Schneider, I think, needs to try to stay away from the microphone as much as possible and just work behind the scenes and try to get us good deals because I think that's what he's capable of. I don't really need him to be a spokesperson um, for the club or be weighing in on on those sort of things. Yeah, I agree. Uh, do you have a third thing? I guess the, the only thing I would say, and this is going to be sappy, is that it just <laughs> – um, as bad as things are right now, it does feel as though the fan base is very united um, yes. and in agreement on the values and the vision and the things that we'd like to see in terms of transparency and change. Um, and so, you know, as long as those things remain the same, um, you know, there's still kind of hope for the club, right? Because the club is 
is more than the people on the pitch and it's more than the people in the front office. It's, you know, it's all the members that, that make it up. And as long as they're united and, and still um, not apathetic to what's happening, I think, I think that's a positive to, and something to kind of keep in the bank. Yeah, no, I, I'm with that. I, I agree. I think there is a movement going on here, you know, not to play off what's actually really happening in real life, but um, I, I do think that if the fan base is united and, you know, with, with the latest stuff that's, that's happening with the chairman and stuff, I think they're going to try to make something happen, you know, a hooker by crook. And so, uh, you know, let's see what happens. And maybe some, maybe something, hopefully something for the good, something for the better. Um, before we get to the next question, next question here on YouTube is, uh, we shouldn't give the EV status and sell out the industry money, the 50 plus one rule stuff, even though industry might have give us more money. Example, Hoffenheim and, and, R- and RB Leipzig. Um, it's not traditional. And I agree with that. I mean, long as we're sick competitive, I mean, I think we can. We just got to have a, a reformation <laughs> somehow, some way, all with keeping the EV status. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, I think the whole 50 plus one conversation is an interesting one, you know, on a sort of a macro league wide sense, but um, yeah, the supporters that, that would rather struggle and, and feel like in so doing they're maintaining the soul of, of the club as opposed to selling out. Um, it's, it's hard to disagree with that. So I, I mean, I respect that stance for sure. Uh, the next, next question actually comes off something we were talking about a little bit earlier. Um, it says, this comes from Chris Hughes. He says, uh, will the fan base accept the Kanapenshmida youth revolution next season, which would likely result in relegation risk in the short term, but could pay off big in the long term? You know, so if we do play Kanapenshmida, which we, we're kind of hoping for because there's nothing else, how else are we going to improve the team, right? Yeah. Um, we play the youngsters. But there is going to be a risk, you know, potentially that we're going to have another uh, struggling season and potentially risk uh, relegation. But ultimately, in the long run, would be better. Would the fans accept going into despite the Bundesliga just to, you know, come back stronger? That's hard. I mean, you got to remember, Svaita Bundesliga is a difficult league. It is a difficult league. That, you know, just because it's in a lower division doesn't mean it's any easier. It's the same thing with the championship in England and, and many, many second divisions around around the Europe. Uh, they are still very good. You got teams trying to fight tooth and nail, trying to get up to promotion, and it's hard. And you have to be on your game for whatever, how many games it is. And so, as much as I think it would be good to play a Kanabi for sure, I don't know if I want to risk relegation. Because you know, I don't, I don't think it's going to be easy at all, especially if you play with the youngsters to come back the very next season. It'd probably take a few seasons, honestly. I'm, I'm just not convinced that it's much of a choice at all. I don't think we're in a position where it's, you know, should we pursue that course of action despite it being potentially riskier? Um, I, yeah. I, I question whether or not we even have that option. I mean, if if, if it's yeah. if the financial situation that that the club has proclaimed that we're in is accurate, I mean, that's kind of all we have. So. Um, hopefully we can find a manager if we move on from Wagner that can, that can see us through that. Um, and even if it is bad, hopefully we can avoid relegation because yeah, anyone who's suggesting like, Hey, would it be good for us to just kind of drop down and, and then, you know, rebuild? I mean, this isn't like, you know, a closed system where, you know, you're, you're the Cubs and you, you sell off all these people, you know, you rebuild draft and this kind of stuff and you build a championship team. Um, yeah, the amount of revenue you lose from doing that, and and I, I do think people underestimate how difficult the Spider Bundesliga is, as you said. Um, this is not – there is no guarantee that if – even for a team like Schalke, there is no guarantee that if you drop down, you just bounce right back up right away. It's 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 difficult to accomplish that. Um, and so, yeah, I think that would be absolutely disastrous for the team, and that's something I would never like to see happen. I don't, I don't view that as a potential solution uh, at all in any way. Uh, I want to look at something real quick. I want to look at the standings of the Spite the Bundesliga at the moment, just to, just to give people. So people thought Hamburg would be an easy comeback up to the Spite into the Bundesliga. They currently sit in fourth position, and they are 11 points behind first place Armenia Bielefeld. Uh, of course, Armenia is having a fantastic season, uh, but you got Stuttgart, Heidenheim, uh, Darmstadt's in the mix, Bochum, Hanover. I mean, there's a lot of yeah, Heidenheim. That that's the story, right? That's crazy. Well, that is a story, but there's a lot of former Bundesliga clubs in there are still trying to get back to the Bundesliga. It's it's difficult. There's some good teams down there, um, so there's no guarantee that we would come back, you know, quickly. If you know, within the next five years, for all we know. So, um, yeah, it, it's hard. And, and you know, shout out to uh, our friend at Morocco and Casablanca. Hey, man, remember him? We haven't heard from him in a while. Uh, he says, do you think a rebuild despite the Bundesliga would be a good idea? And, you know, it's, it's the same question as the previous one. And 
not in the Slack to Bundesliga for me. I want to see the youth play for sure. We have no choice. If anything, it'd be it'd be a disaster because we can't continue to pursue our transfer policy of stealing Nuremberg's attacking players. <laughs> competing in the same league as them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so where, where are we going to get our play? You know, uh, Schoff and uh, and Bergstaller and Toykert, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh goodness. Oh man. Uh, let's see. Uh, Holger Mesner says, uh, "In many, after many years being a Schalke fan, I'm always shocked about one thing. Typically for Schalke." Really good players, some national players even sign with Schalke and never ever reach a Bundesliga level. Quality law gets lost, but why? Why? Um, I don't know. I mean, maybe they don't join the boot. They don't join the Mannschaft uh, as you know the main main starting eleven uh, while they're with Schalke. But that's usually right when right when they get to that level, Bayern or somebody like swoops in and buys them. Um, Neuer played. Neuer was Neuer was playing for the Mannschaft when he was with Schalke, right? Uh, but it hasn't been many, and it's and it's mostly I think because our youth players, as they get good enough to be at that level, they get bought to, to a bigger club and we lose them for free. Yeah, I mean it's a question I think we'd all like to be able to answer is why the team performs the way it does at times, why some players that seem to be promising before they arrive ultimately don't prove to be so why you know we can't seem to have a manager that can that can write the ship consistently and it's it's constantly you know a change at the helm too i mean it it just it seems to be this this vicious cycle we're in as a club where we just can never gain any solid ground for a significant period of time and it it definitely seems to affect the confidence of of coaches and players alike um it it seems like people spend spending any amount of time at this club just takes a toll on people professionally Joseph says, uh, we're being laughed at enough by the, the quote-unquote big clubs in, in uh, Bundesliga. So if we go to fight the Bundesliga and get laughed at by them, that's just going to be a shot in the head right there. <laughs> um, kind of feeding off, I want to go back to what the ultras were talking about in, the, in the, their report. And they were talking about the finance aspect because, you know, we kind of were talking about, about money here. And they are saying, you know, one of the big things I read that jumped out was that, you know, the club who, who claims that they get 275 million euros in profit each year, we were in financial trouble, you know, and Part of it was like they weren't forthcoming at all about like what kind of troubles we're in. All of a sudden, you know, we're just, we're a great profitable club, blah blah blah, and all of a sudden we're in crisis. And like, how do you go from one extreme to the other? It just doesn't make sense. And this all adds up to not having money to buy players or re-strengthen our squad without selling players. And you know, the teams that the players we want to build around, frankly, we can't build around them if we have to sell them off to you know fill the rest of the squad. And it's it's a difficult situation that we're in. Um, and uh, we got our question. Next question kind of builds off of that is uh, from Seninho de Oliveira White Aldum. <laughs> uh, he says, Who does a club build around next season? Assuming we keep him. It's got to be Harit, Sarah McKinney, and Kabak. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there is, I think there is a solid spine to the team. <laughs> yeah. I was going to use that word spine from the top to the front, you know, yep. Kabak. Yeah, I mean, some people are going to be, yeah, you know, Kabak and then, you know, Harit Serdar all the way up to Katuchu. Yep. Um, but it's sort of the players around there that I think we need to flesh out a little bit. Um, Benito Raman hasn't been bad, but he hasn't been the answer that I certainly Shaka thought he was going to be. I wasn't really convinced in the first place when, he, when we signed him. Um, it kind of struck me as another Marku type signing. Um, and I think he's been better than that, significantly better than that. But I don't think he's been the answer. I don't think Robbie Matondo was there yet. Marcus been better at Colón. Didn't he miss two penalties in one game within the last month? Yeah, I understand. Yeah, so I mean, I think, I think you try to build around those guys. Um, you know, the few young players you have that you know have the goods and have the talent, and and if you, if at all possible, try to try to maintain those guys and and somehow go from there because uh, that's that's really all we have at the moment. There's not a whole lot else to hold on to. Um, this is an interesting question. The next one, and, and I, I agree, I agree hundred percent with what you're saying. I think we're both in agreement on that, you know, building with the spine and, and, and using them, uh, to build the rest of the team around, um, our next question from Rob, he says, if fans were in the stands, would Wagner be fired by now? And if Wagner is sacked, is Nico Kovac a good option? So let's go to the first person. Um, it's very possible he could be fired. I mean, I know there's so, the stance is so strong with saying, give him a chance. There's been a lot of events that, you know, kind of, it was a confluence of events with him, and that's why let's let him continue on. And Schneider wants to save face, but we saw, you know, last year Tedesco or you know the Tedesco reign, he was a fan favorite, but the fans had enough at, at one point, and they're like, "You got to go, Bo. 
I mean, we love you and all, but you were doing nothing on the pitch. You need to go. And then, I mean, it doesn't help that he, they lost, you know, Dusseldorf and Mainz and, and get slaughtered by Man City. That didn't help anything. But, um, I, you know, with the fans or in the crowd, it'd be more likely that he'd been fired or in the hot seat. But I don't think he'd be fired just because of the comments you made earlier in the podcast. Yeah, it's tough. Um, I, I definitely think, yeah, the fact that there aren't demonstrations happening potentially in the North River that maybe have been happening if there were fans there um, has potentially lessened some of the pressure on David Wagner because uh, the, the team in, in some ways is operating in more of a bubble than they typically are. Um, they can just kind of do their own thing without some of the more direct feedback that they maybe would be getting on a weekly basis. <sighs> would be a good option. I mean, I, I like Kovac. I, I'd have to, I'd have to think about that over yeah. the next week. I have to really see how he did whether, whether he would fit for us. But I mean, certainly, I, I don't think his tenure at Bayern um, overly diminishes no. his stature um, at all. I mean, what he did with Frankfurt was was very impressive. Um, so I mean, yeah, I mean, it, that's that's a name, and if for some reason he was interested, I, I mean. If, if that's what you're interested in, is going for um, kind of a known quantity, uh, he wouldn't be a bad option. But yeah, I'd have to I'd have to give that some more thought as to whether or not I think that's a good move. Yeah, yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm with you on that one. Uh, and then the last one, which is kind of what I was talking about, talking about earlier, uh, Holger commented again. He said, it's starting to be the standard Schalke answer here, fan. Um, let me start that over. Starting to give you the standard answer, Schalke fan, uh, knowing for years now, but there isn't a coach who can coach Schalke. Hoop Steven was the last coach to get the players to play as a team. 16 coaches since 2002 when Hoops left. Uh, Hoob, Hoob uh, came to the rescue in 2018 for Schalke. Wagner is number 18 in 18 years now with managers. Um, so that's where, that's where I got that number from. And he's right. I mean, but even, even in the good, Schalke was rotating managers. We, you know, we thought we were Bayern. And if we're not winning, if we're not winning a title, go ahead and change. I mean, Mirkos Honko is one of my favorite managers. And we lost him. And I was upset about that. But. Uh, clearly, I'm so bitter about that. But uh, I mean, yeah, we just have all this constant have this rotation of managers, and it is the game of football, right? You're gonna lose managers. You're not gonna let, hang around that often. There's very few that hang around. You know, club hung around I think for seven years with uh, with Mainz, I think it was, or maybe it was no with, with Dortmund. Um, but there's some managers that hang around a while, and others that don't. You know, and so I love to get out of that cycle. You know, whether that means you know um, holding on to Wagner or or I don't know, but. Uh, it's just uh, it's a sad stat, especially now given how the, the climate of the club. Uh, to see this constant rotation throughout the, the the management team. Yeah, and that's what I was trying to get at earlier is that there are clubs that have been doing somewhat similar timelines in terms of managerial rotation to what we've been doing over the past couple of years, who have been more successful than we have yeah. while doing that. So, it, in some sense, it's almost like you can't fully blame that on on why we've sort of lost stature recently but at the same time it's hard to imagine that we would be any worse off for having some continuity over a period of time so um yeah it definitely doesn't reflect well on us and and i think it also hurts your your ability to attract a manager if they know they don't have a long life cycle yep. um maybe not the most attractive thing now some of that can be tempered if Schalke is consistently a champions league team or if a manager feels like the squad is 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 good enough to can you know they can come in and, and they can be the difference to to get Schalke where we need to be but i don't think any manager is going to be looking at this club at the moment looking at the squad and being overly optimistic about what they have to work with and then you know you combine that with the fact that they know they're probably not going to be around too long it's it's hard to it's hard to recruit people. We've kind of built a brand on that. And it's, um, yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, it's it, Roman Abramovich has the money to kind of <laughs> paint over those cracks at Chelsea, right? You know, I mean, like, you can yeah. bring images in because you can constantly buy players and everything. It's not the situation that we're in at the moment. No, it isn't at all. And so, yeah, it's going to be curious what happens here over the summer. we got one game left at Freiburg, who are also in that European fight, I think. Uh, so it's not going to be an easy game. Um, yeah, but the sooner it's over, the better, I guess. Green Christian strike. Christian strike. There you go. Uh, that's right. a legend there. Yep. Um, that's all I got uh, for the questions, Jack. Uh, anything else you want to throw in there? No, I think I think uh, sixty minutes is is quite long enough to be talking about this team right now. Yeah, I agree. I agree. 
Uh, on that note, um, if you haven't signed up for the U.S. newsletter, for the Shaka U.S. newsletter, uh, just do so. Just enter your email address and you get the monthly. Uh, definitely do that. Um, and that'll wrap this one up. Keep tuning in each week as we bring you the latest from the Royal Blues. We want to thank Shaka, all our listeners, for the questions. Uh, Andreas Ernst and the Ultras of Gales and Kirchen for providing us tidbits on the podcast today. If there are any topics you would like us to discuss, let us know and tweet us at America. Uh, we want to give a good shout-out to our dear friends at NBC4 Nashville. Jack, where can our followers find you on social media? At J.M. Mangan, J-M-M-A-N-G-A-N on Twitter. Very good. And as always, I'm your host, Richard Carmen. You can find me at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N. If you haven't done so yet, subscribe to the page here. Uh, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Shoes.